Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today I'm joined by Tim Colley and Carly Thompson to discuss the film Makeshift. It's a documentary that looks at how creative technology has transformed the advertising industry. To find out more information about how you can see the film, go to makeshift.film. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, Tim. Hello. How are you today? Good. Let me turn on some lights. The, the, this was funny. It came through as a Zoom in the header, but with a, a Google Meet in the body of the email. <laughs> I, I, I had Windows. It was like the Starship Enterprise. I had all these consoles open. You know, and of, of course, this would be the, the call that I would have where I'd completely blow the... <laughs> The uh, the invitation and make it no look judgment, like that. no judgment. I'm no better than the next guy when this comes to. I'm just glad. I was glad to see your smiling face when I opened up the Zoom. <laughs> well, I, I try to get here a few minutes early because uh, just to get ahead of any tech, uh, technical issues that happen every single time. I just like to do them, handle them by myself before you guys get here. So, isn't Thank it for... amazing how no matter how many of these things we do, every call starts with like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, there's got to be a time when it's not like, you know, we're like cavemen at, at the first fire. Like, <laughs> what? I just um, I, I, I'm glad that it hasn't gotten that normal yet. Um, I know that <laughs> that's you know, probably good. You're right. You're right. I, I really do look forward to the day when I can actually. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you know, everybody just have break out and have a quick meeting and. Um, the upstairs office. I'm just, I'm really yes. looking forward to that. Those things that I dreaded, they're like this special thing in mind now. So yes, everything in moderation. Yeah. So thank you both for taking the time to do this. And I appreciate you uh, being willing to make the last minute change in time. So thank you very much. All good. So how did this project come together? Because this is, I was really excited when I saw this, because this is literally a conversation I was having about two weeks ago. Um, about the idea of advertising and how it's changed and how it's very strange how it's it's possibly dangerous that we're everyone that I was talking to we were far more comfortable with the way that we're marketed now than we were 20 years ago even though it's far more invasive than it ever has been before and it's so deeply personalized that it doesn't feel like it's invasive and that's a little bit scary kind of well I this isn't the answer to your question, but this is on your comment of like, is it more invasive? This is something that's come up in some of our chats. Like when I look at my Instagram or whatever, it's stuff I kind of want, you know, it's kind yeah. of stuff like I kind of do want a fire pit. That seems like a good one. Like maybe it's like in information that is more, it's invasive when I watch network football. And I have okay. to watch a hundred insurance ads. I'm not actively shopping for insurance, but even though it's a little big brotherish that they know I'm shopping for an outdoor fire pit, but I kind of want one instead it's, of seeing a hundred uh, cell phone plan ads that I I'm happy with my cell phone plan. I don't need insurance. So it's smarter in a scary way, but maybe less invasive. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if it's that there's also that other part where it's, um, the invasive part comes down to just how well it knows me. I had no idea that I was looking for screen prints of uh, Big Trouble in Little China posters, but it lets me know that. No, yeah, that is something I want. I didn't know that I needed that. 
Um, and my wife certainly doesn't think that I need that, but it knows better apparently. They know. Well, Car- Carly's on the client side. Uh, well, to go back to your to your <laughs> first question, this you know we can we can have the client talk about being the puppet master. <laughs> you know, you know the line in Breaking Bad, like I'm the one who knocks. <laughs> market to me, I'm the one who knocks. Um, so. This, I am, I run it, I'm sitting in an ad agency in Boston right now. That is, I've been working in the advertising business for a long time, but I'm also a filmmaker and I've produced and directed and written a couple films. One being a feature documentary about creativity. With Maria Bamford. And yes, Maria Bamford. Yeah. Who's amazing. We went to her house, but we digress. Sorry. Um, Yeah. I I would, if I was wondering if you'd gave me the opening, I was just going to jump down that path, but yeah, please go ahead. uh, Cross promotion. Uh, (laughs) So Carly and WP engine are my clients in an advertising capacity, but they saw the shift that you were seeing in that an ad isn't really an ad anymore. Sometimes an ad is like a company saying, we'd like to give you a good use of your time and have the the good karma of not bludgeoning you. And they said, Tim, what could we do? Perhaps we could do an ad. Would we ever want to do beyond an ad? Could we do a film? A legit documentary film that serves as a love letter to digital creatives and the shift that happened in the advertising world where it used to be built for television commercials and Don Draper types. And then the internet happened and it's like, how do we do this? And some agencies said, I don't know how to do it and we can't do it and it's stupid and hopefully it'll go away. And then other people said, "We, this is here to stay. Let's use our creative smarts and embrace technology and find a way around it. So that was the conversation from my side. Carly, give me the other, the, the client mind meld on that. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that we started having conversations just like you are, Christopher, a couple of years ago. You know, it's always things are always changing and they're moving. And a couple of years ago, we were looking around and really interested in that creative technology story, the history, the evolution, but also the future. And it felt like nobody had told that story. It was one, you know, as WP Engine, we're a technology company. We're invested in big to small brands and building their websites and their social and digital experiences. That's something of a common interest for us all. Why not document that? So we had this vision of, well, here's a story we want to tell. But Tim, you know, our creative agency lead, how do we actually tell that in the right way? And in something that's different, not intrusive. And something that people will really jump on board with um, in a kind of totally new way, something we had never done as a company, something Tim had done before kind of on his own. And let's bring brand and agency together in a very meta way and talk about advertising in a way that is interesting to agencies, brands, me and Tim, but also the consumer, the general public. They have so much power now. They know it, but it's interesting to go back through history and see how it all came to be. And the shift has happened so quickly, um, that paradigm. I mean, I think it's really interesting. You can almost pinpoint it to that moment. It had been moving this way, but I think that Domino's campaign when they just switched and they had that honesty. And that seems like there was just this level of either you're getting on board, this change, this seismic shift, or it's you're going to be left behind at this point. And it's 
pretty remarkable how many of these large companies that have tried to move in this direction, but it's really these smaller um, companies and agencies that have really been able to be agile and move with the times and adapt much quicker. And they're having incredible growth and success from that. And so I'm wondering if for you, because the metrics were pretty clear of how you would measure success before, how do you, it seems like it's different to measure success of a campaign at this point. Absolutely. I mean, Tim, I would imagine your clients all ask you for lots of different types of metrics when you launch a campaign. And it's also, you know, measured now um, where, guess you push something live, but you can track it, you can optimize it. It's not done once you push go. That's really just the beginning. We touch on that in the film a little bit too. And now we're introducing things like video games can be ads. Documentary films are kind of ads. Um, so it's it's getting much trickier to gauge, well, how is this successful? We're, we're having that conversation with ourselves right now. But to me, we're chatting with you. People are watching this movie and talking about it and being inspired by it and making new awesome work because of it. And to us, that's success. Tim, Saints, how, how would you measure? I get, well, they're, they're different though. Um, because now this is your creative outlet as well. So you, I'm a, you're your client as well as your um, creative on this one. I think one of the messages from the movie is the people who survived this, you know, existential change from we make television spots. We have giant companies in big cities with staffs and expertise built around making a television spot, which nobody can do without our help. The internet comes along and they go, please let it go away. It doesn't go away. What do we do now? Carly is my client. She's also my co-producer. Carly has an IMDB page now. She didn't say, (laughs) I'm not a movie producer. I didn't say, I'm only your agency. She said, here's a marketing problem. Perhaps we could solve it in this way. And, you know, I don't put myself in a box. The clients don't put themselves in a box. And I think if the movie has a takeaway whether it's advertising or any business or any creative challenge, it's like the way it was solved in the past probably ain't going to be the way it's solved in the future. And those who succeed don't bump into the wall and go, well, I guess there's a wall here. They go, (laughs) let's find a way over under through. And that's the people we talked to were the people who um, didn't just go, Oh, an ad is a creative thing. I have to think of. It's like problem solving in a, larger, like as at a business scale, at an uh, enterprise scale is the stuff of that's true creativity. That's yeah. That's, um, that's really interesting because it's um, well, there's always the dirty side of creativity with film that people don't want to talk about, but you do have to sell the film. Eventually you have to do things like this, go out and talk about it. And that element marketing has always been, a tie to creativity in the way that you sell it and present it and put it out into the world. We just have the ability now to find the people that would be interested in what you're selling and kind of ignore the people that aren't interested. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I will say there is something about the wider scope of finding things that weren't directed towards me that I miss. I, there were songs that I would hear on the radio that Mm. weren't a part of an algorithm that I love 
you know, you, you look through my CDs, look through my vinyl, look through my playlist. There's going to be things that you don't see in that. There's going to be films that I love that only maybe the guy from the video store could have figured out that that's something I loved because it wasn't a documentary. It wasn't a horror film. It wasn't the you know normal things, but there's these offbeat things that you shouldn't expect me to like that I connect with because I happened upon it. And I'm worried that could be something that we're missing is that we're not accidental. We're not tripping over things like we used to. A show like yours though, is kind of built for not everybody worries about that. Some people love their algorithms. You ask people what music they like, they go, oh, I like everything. And I go, you're a liar because nobody likes everything. <laughs> I don't trust you. I only like people who, if you really care about music, like Carly is a total, like, we can vibe out on music. And you ask her what she likes and she can tell you, I like specifically this. I can tell you, I like specifically this. And I think a show like yours is for the people like us who seek you go, well, I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to go to a site where it shows me things that are outside the norm. In fact, if there's anything I miss from the, the old world, it's that I'm so in my own world of seeking out. I can find things. I'll be talking about a movie and no one's seen it. There's no more water cooler thing. It's like Carly watches what she likes. Chris likes watches what he likes. And like, we don't have the same favorite bands because we can find exactly the weird stuff we like and forget the rest of society. And that's kind of, that's one of, that's one of the problems. That's one of the things that because I have such micro and specific interests, I mean, and there, I'm looking for off the wall, weird stuff, but then what's happening in pop culture, the huge bands that everybody's heard of, the people that are playing the Super Bowl, I've never heard of them before because <laughs> I'm so, I, I'm so buried in like weird indie rock that nobody really pays attention to and that I miss really good stuff that it used to be a part of the culture that would just be, you would, you couldn't help but hear about it. I mean, something like Mad Men, oddly enough, um, would be something that was, a, it was sort of a cultural phenomenon where people were talking about that show again. And that's one of the reasons I caught on to that. Breaking Bad is the same way that the you referenced thing. before. What was the, the, the Queens, Queens, like Gambit. Queens Gambit. Gambit yeah. yeah. Tiger King, Bridgerton, yeah. Queens Gambit. Occasionally, That's the new, but they're few and far between, and it's a big, you know, there's geniuses involved. But I love that our little film can find an audience with people like you and can like debut at the top of the iTunes, like it debuted yesterday at like the top of the iTunes chart. Oh, congratulations! That and that's it's so strange how that particular thing that that's one of the consumption outlets now like that, that it's on iTunes. And that's, that's the high watermark. Something I was talking to somebody two weeks ago and their movie was number one on Netflix. And that was as big, that's probably bigger than being number one at the box office, especially at this point in time, but Levels it's just the, the playing field. I, things I like yours. Carly when it came out, just hashtag mo, uh, movie moguls. <laughs> <laughs> so then that's going to be kind of, we all have those moments where we think of what would the success look like? What would that be? You know, you know, we get this out there that's got to be even bigger than you would expect. You're debuting at number one on the iTunes charts. And not number that's, one, but on, on the, like on, on the, the chart, on the first, we were three uh, little, uh, what's it like the little square, the picture mm -hmm. of the cover, you can't call it a cover, but thumbnail, the thumbnail, yeah. three thumbnails over from a Darren Aronofsky documentary. That, that's Elizabeth, pretty good. That's that's really good company. That's all I want to do. 
But yeah, you're right. I mean, we look at that and we're like, oh my gosh, that that's it. But this is still only to us kind of the beginning. We we can't wait to hear what people say about it, like in these conversations and more conversations. And maybe someday we'll hit Netflix too. You know, there's always room to grow. There are more places to go. We're so excited to get this film out there and watched. Well, one of the things I love about this is the way that you did take the history of advertising and build that a good portion of this film before you're getting into the digital side of things is actually going through the Madison Avenue side of advertising and going through that and building us up. Cause I think a lot of us take for granted where advertising is now. Cause we still, I mean, I can't remember unless it was a large event the last time that I watched something that had commercials in it. It's just not something that happens anymore, but that was, I, you know, unless you're having a very specific thoughtful moment, you don't really think about how much um, that's not a part of your life anymore, unless you're specifically focused on it. And so to go through that history and see where we are now, I thought the framing of it, of making it, as you were saying, that love letter to these creative people that are doing this now, that it it really does support that. I think it was very necessary. Um, otherwise, it would have been, it would have felt maybe a little bit too one-sided in that way, and we wouldn't have appreciated that transition. Yeah. We're probably, there's kids entering, you know, kids, you know, graduates entering the business now who've never gotten off the couch to change and turn the dial and change a channel. I don't know that my wife ever has. Right. So, I mean, that that's, uh, there were so many ways we could frame this movie. And I was like, you know, talking to Carly and Casey, Casey Suhan, the director, uh, I was co-director with her. And she was, she's not in advertising, Carly advertising person, former agency person as well, agency person and filmmaker. And we're like, how do you do this? And it's like, I think you have to do it, treat it like a time capsule in a way, because even by the time the film comes out, I mean, like the film came out the last time, Carly, last time you were in a crowded room, what was it? I mean, it was last February. And And we were actually doing a film. If we were screening this movie and it was the last time I was in a crowded room of people, which is an amazing way to go out, but <laughs> it's crazy that it's been that long. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about the movies about embracing change. So like, let's do it as a time capsule because who knows what's going to be next. Mm-hmm. Let's not be, make it a Ted talk about here's what the future is going to be. Like, let's talk about this transition, the struggles and the conflict, you know, like any good movie should have conflict. And then I actually think, you know, the last existential threat was like the internet's happening and what do we do? We screen the film a week later, we're not allowed to go to work anymore. People are getting laid off left and right. How do we get through the existential threat? We learn to use Zoom. We learn to be, I mean, I've been on production with like a face mask and a shield. Like if you showed me that image a year ago, I'd be like, what is, I wouldn't even know. And now you just show up and it's like, someone's taking your temperature and you got the shield on and you're like, the the kids have to be, you know, like the talent has to be over here. And if you have kids on, we learned a totally new way to work within a year. And it's like technology, open-mindedness, hustle. Mm -hmm. Who survives, who doesn't survive. So it's like, it was about the internet causing a shift, but it's really about creative problem solving in the face of adversity. And by the way, shout out, you know, I, I'm Mr. Creative Genius sitting in my advertising agency, 
And Carly's the person who thought of the title. I sent her over a list of titles, her and her team. She's like, Tim, these are good. And then she's like, but I was thinking about it over the weekend. And she goes, what about makeshift? And she started to launch into her pitch. I'm like, nope. Rule number one of selling. As soon as it's sold, stop talking. I was like, I got it immediately. It's genius. We're good. Oh, it's great. The, the duality of the title's meaning. I mean, that's it's a perfect title for it. So I, yeah, I it's think great. Well done. Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> so then how has the, you know, you, you talk about the um, learning to adjust and to work in this new environment. You know, you think of that February, you know, by March when all this is starting to happen and we become aware of it, the most pessimistic person was saying by the end of summer. And mm-hmm. here we are, I'm still working remotely right now just got my first shot of the vaccine on Monday and maybe looking at going back in June, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's the optimistic sort of point of view now. And I, for me personally, right now, um, being adapt, like adapting to this, I'm looking forward to unlearning some of this behavior and to getting back is not only, um, the social aspect of it, but I I need to see if my pants fit again, because it's been too long at this point. (laughs) Pants. Uh, I'm, I'm going to Google that. <laughs> and so then what are the, what are the, the things that if you could, cause you, this is, this film is really built as like you were saying, it's a time capsule. You're kind of just putting this pinpoint right now in time. Is this something with everything that's happened in this last year, you would consider going back at some point, not like unlike the paperback edition where you could have sort of this, you know, the unabridged version where you have these, Addendum, you have an extra chapter that you're throwing on the end where you could have something about adapting to the last year. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, Fair enough. <laughs> I don't see an addendum, but I mean, I could see like the, the, the same way we did pre-internet, post-internet, like what's the okay. world going to, how are we going to change after Zoom? Like, are we going to shake hands at the beginning of meetings? Like, are people not going to want to come back to cities? Are like that movie? There's somebody working on that movie already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something, Carly? I feel like I just jumped oh, in. Go ahead. Okay. I, I was going to. I was going to ask. Um, are you? So, are you both back in the office then at this point, or are you still just is this the home? I'm at home. Yeah. And um, same deal. I think it's going to be June earliest, maybe after, and we're kind of in a holding pattern. So yeah, I think we're, we're waiting to see how we get back to it. You know, what is that going to look like? There's going to be a whole wave of new learning and like to the point of this film and what we've been talking about, we got to stay open-minded, get back to reality and, you know, use technology in the way that we want to, and maybe not need to. at that point, you know, and I think that we learned a lot along the way and we burnt ourselves out, you know, we're sort of on that high end of burnout. So how can we make technology serve us again in a really refreshing way? Um, It's going to be a welcome adaptation when that happens. Absolutely. And so what are you most looking forward to, Tim, when you get back to the back to the world again? Well, I'm, we actually come to the office. There's only seven of us here. And I mean, scary thing, just as a small business thing, we had just signed, we're, we're a young company. I just signed a five-year lease in February. 
And, oh, you know, man. first time lease for this company, bought the space that was way too big for us. I had unassembled furniture when we stopped coming to work. So we were home for about six weeks and everybody was so depressed and we're a production company. Like you can't make things remotely. You can uh, talk about things, but we physically have to make things and get together. But then I was like, you know, we had a talk and the fear, it's not like, you know, you were hearing about like morgues in the streets and we realized it's not that necessarily if you're young, we have an elevator, like Carly works in a big office tower. Like the, the, there's no way to do that safely, but we are on two floors. We, everybody has a private office. Um, we have two roof decks we can work on and we have an elevator we don't share with any other company. So, and we all know each other. It's not like, oh, that person is going to, you know, the boxing gym every day or something. <laughs> or like if somebody was going to yo hot yoga, they would get the stink eye from everybody. And we knew when people traveled, they weren't allowed to come in for two weeks but we navigated it. Um, and we not only survived, but had a great year because we were one of those companies who stayed productive um, and were a real resource for companies with in-house staffs that were struggling to adapt. Cause I, I you know, it, I can't even imagine how you do this with a giant company and have to be productive. And so we did it, but everybody's fun in their own way. Have you guys found that um, car, uh, the productivity has increased in this time period at all, or has it just been different? Because that's one thing that I've noticed on my day job is that our, we've actually gotten oddly enough, more productive with our time. We can work fewer hours and get things done with less distraction, but pretty much I think nine out of 10 employees that I was talking to, um, we did just kind of a brief survey. We're saying that, they miss, even though it would be longer days to be back in the office, just the collaboration. We're, we're getting more done, but it's not as fulfilling when we're finishing the projects. That I'm not sure if that's a, yeah. is that a similar feeling or? Yeah, I mean, there are so many, it, you have to look someone in the eye to have a creative discussion and brainstorm. You know, I think that that's when the really good ideas come is just being in a room together and riffing and it's really hard to do on Zoom. And then say, you make something great, you launch a campaign, we launched, you know, a, a movie in a way, you know, kind of a half step during the pandemic last year. And then I shut my computer and it was silent. You know, there was no happy hour after. There was no celebration. And you miss those moments. You know, when something big happens, a big virtual event you pull off, you know, which we did a couple of. And we were like, wow, I can't believe we did that. And then it's just, okay, see you tomorrow on Zoom. <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to to being able to, you know, see someone across the room and rah-rah together. And the separation of worlds. That's the part because I, I did it at home. And then when I came back, I really appreciated when I was at home, you wake up at 6, 630 in the morning, you open up your laptop and you're at work. Yeah. And there's no like, I'm going to shower, get in the car. And now, now it's work time. It's like, I'm at work from 630 till maybe the last Zoom of the day is 7.30. So it's like a 13-hour workday and you've never put pants on. You know, you're in your sweatpants and it's like you didn't shower and you keep your camera off or whatever you do. But now it's like, I come to work, I'm here by 9, 9.30, I leave at 6.30 and then I'm like home. And maybe I answer some emails, but it's not, it's just like, I've had the break. 
there's this part, this part, and this part instead yeah. of it's all this part. Com- compartmentalizing that aspect of your life is incredibly important. The only, the only positive, and I mean, there's a handful of them here and there, the but commute the commute is I, way better. The commute is amazing. Boston is a terrible traffic city. And oh yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. I want people to be downtown, but I want to keep this commute. The 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 roads in Boston are they they don't make any sense. Yeah. I, I've only I've driven oh, in Boston two or three times. Cannot no civil engineering. Out. Horses just wandered around. The <laughs> <laughs> city planning. Not so, built on a grid. I, I did have a, a one kind of last specific question, and I guess it makes sense with both of your backgrounds. But the people that you found for this, the, the interview subjects that you had for it, you, how did you decide who you were going for with this? Did you have specific agencies? Because it seems like you had some overlap with a couple of different agencies that you were working with, or were there just people you knew from work experience? You said, "Oh yeah, that person, they'll be able to cover this." How were you finding your people? Well, I'm an ad geek and I started with my, who would I love to meet? You know, I'm, I have this young company. Who would I love to like be inspired mm-hmm. by just as a person in the target market? So we made a list of like the OGs, like the people who were legendary, who started agencies, survived and thrived through the change. And I made a list and we got the whole list. Um, it's hard in the beginning because everybody goes, well, who else is in it? And we're like... <laughs> Well, if you were in it, other people would be in it. But we got Alex Bogusky, who did the Burger King thing, and he's mm-hmm. one of the legends of the business. And once he said yes, I think some competitive juices came from some of the other agencies saying, well, if he's in it, it's legit, and I don't want him in it. If if this does turn out to be a real film that's like a list of who's who, I don't want him in it and not me in it. So <laughs> once he said yes, we were kind of like, well, Alex is in it. And I think a lot of people are about to sign on. And then we got a quorum, but then Carly and her team said, Tim, you're, you're going too much with like the classic agencies and they pushed back. And I remember that being, I was a little stubborn about it and they, they were right. They, they were like, embrace the new guys who, who aren't legendary yet. Like the active theory guys, the hello Monday guys, even media monks, which is a huge company. The people who came after, who started, who didn't survive just the conflict, but understood the new wave or the latest wave. And I think the film really benefits from all of that. Um, So it was a balance of me being like a historic, the time capsule historian and WP Engine really understanding their, um, their target and where this thing's going. And I think those two collide in a cool way. And is what was your goal then with opening that up, um, Carly, when you're just having that pushback and saying, I just, we can't have this be, um, you know, top 40. We need to have, we need to have the indie artists on here. That kind of. Right. I mean, I think that it plays out kind of in how the movie chapters go, right? It's, we have the history, we have the setup, we have the old guard and we see their transition and evolution and can tell those stories. We have, oh my gosh, the internet happened. How do people change and shift in those first really cool breakthrough campaigns that came out that maybe didn't make sense, maybe didn't work, and some did. That's the ones you remember. And then there's the whole end chapter, which is what do we do next? How are we thinking differently? And those campaigns that you see debut at South by 
where they just on-site make a campaign for, you know, Google and they're a three-person agency. And those are the stories that are really inspiring that we want to tell to people watching this film that are that next generation of makers and developers and creators. So they've got to know the history and then they have to be inspired to make the next thing. So I think we really were able to accomplish that. That's, that's really interesting. This is the a, a film that really, there's, it's very, not many films that take on that kind of role. Um, they don't have, this doesn't have a tone that's professorial at all. And I think that a lot of films that get into this kind of narrative, they can come across that way. And I feel like this movie remembers to be entertaining, which is something that a lot of films that are trying to walk this line of telling a story, they forget to do. And I think you did a really nice balance here. So I think this is people that aren't even interested in advertising. They're just interested in themselves that then and how their part in the world that this will is a reflection of everybody that's kind of a part of society as well. So it's interesting in that way. I appreciate you saying that. And, what, and one other to take that one step further, I think I love, I love, love, love documentaries and I don't need to be interested at all in the subject in my real life, yep. but mostly that's because there's conflict or sadness. You know, it's like civil unrest or injustices to uh, populations or, you know, animals, horrible things or people getting kicked out of bands or drug addiction and all the best documentaries are like the saddest and just like really gut churning uh, injustices or uh, technology being the enemy. And we said, what if like, wouldn't it be like subversive to do something positive? <laughs> like maybe we can distinguish ourselves by just saying like, hang in there, but not in a syrupy, like corny way, but like, you know, people are candid that they thought they were losing their jobs and that, you know, they weren't mm. going to make it and self-doubt. But like, what if it, there was like, we're like daring do in a cool way. Like that's almost like as rebellious as making uh, a gut-wrenching documentary in a way. So we committed to that. Well, that's kind of the, the standard at this point in time. I mean, I, I, I can't, most of the documentaries that are recommended to me that come down, the algorithm is saying I should watch, they have a dead body at the center of it. And oh, sure. honestly, I, I don't need drone shots and dead bodies right now in documentaries. I feel like I've, I've gotten a, a lot of that in the last yes. couple of years. And so I'm honestly, look, I really like process films. And so anything that can show me about a world that I don't know anything about, I'm going to be interested in as long as it's made by people that are passionate about their work. I don't care what it is. I'll be interested in that. And one thing I wanted to throw out there, I'm sure you've been to film festivals. And the first question they always ask the, the filmmaker is, you know, how'd you, how'd you get this going? Where'd the money come from? Cause everybody's mm -hmm. got an idea for a film, but how do you do it? And I would just say, people worry about branded content or working with clients or whatever. And I, I would say, if you have, if you are aligned with the client, um, cause you can't lie to them cause they could put out a movie and they could get a review of like, this stinks. This is blatantly an ad. This is, this is a con job. Yeah. But if you align with the client and they want to make something beautiful and worth people's time, it's a, I would say to filmmakers, start to open your mind to different kinds of funding and different kinds of projects. And if you have the hard conversations with the client and you trust them and they trust you, you can make something that 
Chris looks at and goes, this doesn't feel like an ad that I don't feel my puppet strings being pulled. I'm not being manipulated. They just wanted to do right by their potential customers. And I don't think there's sin in that because, you know, 20th Century Fox and uh, Oscilloscope and they all have marketing budgets. They all have people who invest in those companies. It's all a business. So just be open to those kinds of things. And the clients like Carly and WP Engine are out there to collaborate with people who who are not just doing it for the money either. That's actually that's a it's a really good point. That's great advice to be open to those things because I, a lot of um, young filmmakers tend to get very caught up in the idea of auteur, yeah, street credit, and all those kinds of things that really, in the end, you'll as soon as you start accepting checks, that kind of stuff, there's, there's going to be a balance. There's going to be conversations, artistic decisions will be made that um, you, you probably can't do a four hour Gigi Allen movie. It's not going to really, there's not going to be an audience for that. No, so, I've seen two, two, two hour ones. I have two. <laughs> at least. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> there's an audience. There's an audience, but it's but pretty at least small. Two. <laughs> Well, great. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to do this. I really do appreciate it. And this is uh, it, it kind of like advertising in itself. This this film doesn't you can't feel that behind it. So I, I think that's something that it wouldn't have worked if it would have felt that way, if you would have felt the strings behind it. So thank you for making the film because it was really actually it was very enlightening and it was a blast to watch. And thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah. And um, what's the best place to send people to find the film? Um, iTunes, obviously, at this point. Um, is it just pretty much anywhere that you can do VOD right now, I'm assuming? Okay. It is. It is. Yeah. We have um, all the links consolidated on the film's website, which is makeshift.film. So you can go there and find your way around to whichever platform. Fantastic. Perfect. And will there be any virtual screenings through theaters at all? Or is that something that it's just the VOD? We're working on plans for the rest of the year. As you okay. know, there's a lot to figure out, but I know that we'll be able to accomplish some pretty exciting things. So I'm, you know, be on the lookout, but we plan for it. Because that's a that's one of the things that a lot of independent theaters have been doing, which has been really great in this last year. Um, if anybody listening to this, they've probably heard this before at this time, but um, go to your local movie theater's website, look at it. There's interesting documentaries, art films, things that you won't see necessarily on iTunes right away, or they might be there as well, but you could also rent it there and support something local. And I definitely would recommend doing that. So if you can. Likewise. But, yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time again. I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, Chris. And, and by the way, that was something I was told that we shouldn't do. Shouldn't wave on Zoom because we don't wave when we say goodbye in person if we we're all in a meeting. And I, I it feels wrong to me. That, another one of those right, things. Fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope